in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, this is happening. We're doing it uh, for the second time ever. We're going Mitchless on this thing. And uh, also for the second time ever, no, you know, just a coincidence, I swear, we have very special guest, Nick Miller, returning to the show. Welcome back, Nick. No, thanks for having me. Glad to be on here. Love yeah, talking and, comic and, book and, movie stuff. Oh, we love having you. We love your thoughts. Weirdly enough, this was, um, and Nick knows this, so this isn't news to him, um, but Mitch was supposed to be on tonight or today or this morning or whenever, however you listen. Um, Mitch was originally going to be part of the show and it just sort of happened. We had Nick scheduled to come on and all three of us were going to be here together and life happens as it does. As we often, uh, take a few minutes to bemoan here, we don't get to do this as a full-time job. This is, uh, something we do for fun, uh, for love of the game. And so Mitch is not able to be here and Nick is gonna, is gonna fill in. So, um, Nick, I don't know. Do do you want to do you want to catch us up on what's been going on with you lately? Anything crazy? Anything new? Oh man. I mean, probably nothing really cool that um, you know, any of your listeners would really want to hear about, you know, just You'd be amazed what they'll listen to. They listen to me once a week. So <laughs> Yeah. It's really it. low. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, I guess. No. Um I'm I'm doing really well. Um glad glad to be here again. I used to, you know, be a semi-regular on another comic book co- podcast and that one has like fallen apart. So, I I love talking about this stuff, but I don't get an opportunity to do it very much so um cuz you know, you have a wife and you're like, "Hey, let's talk about this." And she like falls asleep, you know, mine's the same way. <laughs> and, um my kids aren't old enough to care about it. You know, all my son wants to do is be Spider-Man and punch stuff. Um yes. and so it's it's cool to be able to, you know, just talk about nerdy nerdy stuff and geek out for an hour. My son and I had a moment this past week. He our our house is flooded with these into the spider verse McDonald's toys because the holidays just happened and we had to do a lot more McDonald's than usual. We were on the road and he was playing with them and he's like, this one's the bad Spider-Man and genius that I am. I was like, well, you know, there isn't a bad Spider-Man in this movie, but let me tell you about some of the things that have happened. And he's like, no, this is the bad Spider-Man dad. Stop it. And so at four years old, he's already sick of my crap. So yeah. uh, I'm down to just the girl now. She's a year and a half, and hopefully I can get her hopefully not sick you of can, me. Hopefully you can warp her mind into the right direction. Yeah, ideally. Um, so, okay, before we get into the actual topic tonight, I do think it is worth uh, – my Twitter time has been greatly cut down in the last month or so. But I do know that every time I've gotten on there lately – I have managed to seriously disappoint someone that is a friend of the show with my rankings of things. And I think you and I need to air the grievances. You disagreed with my thoughts on Aquaman. No, I, I, I don't know if I disagreed with your thoughts on Aquaman. I disagreed with your ranking of where Aquaman belongs. Okay. It, unpack that this is your episode so this is your platform okay well well i i need you you had you had wonder woman number one 
correct, for the DCEU. Yes. And then you had Aquaman. And then what, what, well, did you have Man of Steel, then Batman versus Superman, or what? What was your? Yeah, order? I think that, no, I think that's exactly it. I, I think see, and you can tell like how much thought I put into it that I'm sitting here like, what did I put? Um, I know it went Wonder Woman, Aquaman. I'm pretty sure then Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League. Yeah, was my yeah, ranking. Okay, okay, I, I can I can get on board with your Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, but I I mean for me, I would put Wonder Woman at number one. But then a close second to Wonder Woman for me is Man of Steel. Then Batman versus Superman, the um, extended cut. Have you seen the extended cut? I've not. And you're not the first person on this show to yell at me for not seeing it yet. (laughs) Well, I mean, it, it, it just the major problems that batman versus superman had were definitely double b wb's meddling and there's certain stuff that just didn't make sense um of course i also enjoyed lex luther you know how um what's oh he yeah portrayed him and i i like the direction that snyder took man of steel i don't i don't know or superman um so that that would be me and then i'd probably put aquaman at number what would that be four there and then Justice League under that. And then if we have to count Suicide Squad, it'd be under that. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, you know, I actually forget Suicide Squad's in there a lot. I think a lot of people do. Well, I, my biggest thing was, and I said this on the episode, so I'm not going to rehash it too much. The reason Aquaman is so high for me is Aquaman brought, and, and I, this is not going to play well with people like you and Mitch that are a little more <laughs> apologists for the Snyder films than I am. I thought Aquaman brought a sense of fun that has really been missing in the DCEU for me. Um, and and I don't mean any of that to condemn or talk down about the Snyder films. It, it's less they were wrong and more they weren't always for me. And so for me personally, I enjoyed being in the theater for Aquaman a little bit more than I did those other ones. And and that's that's totally fair. I just, you know, I'm going to disagree with you with my little, you know, guy with a hand over his face emoji um, all day long. But I, and, and then another thing that's really frustrating to me is, you know, Snyder had this five movie arc all planned out and he was ready for it. And then, you know, then he got pushed out. So I don't yeah. know. It's just frustrating. You know, to to me, it's like, okay, here's the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Peter Jackson only does the first two. And then the third (laughs) one is, you know, Joss Whedon directing it and he totally screws it up. So are are um, you anti Joss too? You know, I was, okay, this is interesting. Um, People have been super high on Joss for a long time. Yeah. And my first taste of him well, when I realized who he was, obviously I'd seen Toy Story way before this, but I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I know that he not only like he was basically the showrunner of that, but he wrote a vast majority of the episodes. The dialogue is awful. <laughs> I mean, awful. And yes, I know it's like a campy late 90s television show with a girl that kills vampires. Okay, I get it. But it's, I mean, I really enjoyed this, the overall story, but it was just so campy and the dialogue was so awful. And so from then on, I was kind of like, what's, 
what's so great about this guy? And then, you know, the flyer firefly thing and people are freaking out about that. And I'm like, what, what's so cool about this guy? Like I didn't, like I didn't get Firefly like everyone else did, I guess. I think that people just like that show so much because it got canceled. And um, and then, you know, Avengers was really the first movie that I saw that I was like, okay, this guy's, this guy's pretty cool. But then Age of Ultron fell short. And so I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my take. I've never been as super high up on him as other people have been. I, I think that for me... And after this, I swear we'll get to the actual topic. Um, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, you've listened. You know how this goes. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, for me with Joss, and Mitch and I have have beat this horse so hard so many times. Um, I think with Joss, for me, my first real introduction to him was Firefly, which I did really enjoy. And it really hit me i don't know that that fusion of like and it's not the first thing to ever do it but that overt fusion of western and Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. really really hit me just right and i agree however i've said this several times i'm not in favor of resurrecting it like so many people online are because i think firefly with like five more episodes becomes just another show And not this, you know, cutting it off halfway kind of made it legendary because we were left wanting so much more. Um, And then I saw Avengers. And so my first few experiences with him were pretty good ones for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also would not say I'm in the cult of personality. I, I think that sometimes, you know, as happens on the Internet, Mitch has a strong position against Joss and that kind of throws me in the equal and opposite direction where I end up playing the apologist. And I think I sound more Joss fanboy on here sometimes than I really am. But, um, but I, I, I no, I told, I agree with most of your perspective there. Firefly really, for me, I think that's, if I and, am protective of him, be, it's that. And I will be fair to say, I think I watched Firefly in like over a two day span while I was, doing you know you know when you binge something but you're not really watching it but you're kind of (laughs) watching yes that's what i did and so i'll I'll be fair and say that i probably wasn't paying as close attention so it could be better but but again i wonder like some of these shows they get canceled after a season or two though i did watch dollhouse did you watch that i never watched that but i've I've heard that was actually that was actually pretty solid and he was i I think that was his show too um that that one was actually pretty solid it had uh what's her name eliza duku or dershka or something like that (laughs) um anyway you'd know if you saw her probably no i know i know i know the name um is it dushku yep something like that and i I realized like how okay um the no i um completely lost my train of thought because I just stopped myself from making a joke with the word douche in it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's how this goes. Uh, We need Mitch back. Um, No, Joss for me, he's, uh, he's a little above average. I I don't think, I don't think that he was a good pick to clean things up, so to speak, when Snyder had to bow out. Yeah, midway on Justice League and even because the thing is even if Joss could have made a good Justice League movie I don't think that mixing two directorial styles is so messy in the first place oh but it was 
like I read some articles and it was even stupid stuff. Like Zach's shot all of his scenes on film. And whenever Joss came in, he was like, no, we're just going to do digital. I right, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just little things like that where I like most people probably aren't going to be able to tell. Okay. Right. But stylistically you can kind of, you can, you can notice something different. Like the coloring of the stuff that Joss did is just a little bit different than the stuff that Zach did just enough. And so, um, and, and I don't know, I think that WB did a knee jerk reaction in hiring him because they were like, Oh, he's made all this money for Marvel. We need him. So anyway, well, and that's to me, that's the story of the DCEU is it's one giant overreaction to what was going on at Marvel and and I think that ultimately at the end of the day, because it seems like the DCEU as we know it is done, um, even if it's going to morph into something else, the original vision for it is certainly over. And and I think that when we kind of in a few years look back on it and dissect what worked and didn't, I think we're going to look at it and say the biggest problem was that the studio never allowed those films to find their own identity and spent too much time trying to define it based on what Marvel was doing. Oh yeah. That's, that's totally fair. It's all, I don't know. It's always the executives meddling that caused, I I saw somebody, I don't know if this was true, but I heard that there was an exec at WB that wanted to cut the Trent scene from wonder woman. Really? I, I, again, that's probably just internet rumors and people making stuff up, but you know, we're going to run with it. Yeah, I mean that that happened. How dare you, Warner Brothers? <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of uh studios that make films and films, uh <laughs> tonight <laughs> we're going to be discussing uh, you know, it's all about just getting it done. Uh we're going to be discussing the X-Men films. It's a it's a franchise that's near and dear to my heart. Nick, I don't know if you remember this. Um, longtime listeners will recall that Nick and I have known each other a very long time. Long time. Uh, Nick's younger brother being, uh, one of my very best friends for good Lord, over 20 years now. Um, I turned 33 this week. Um, and so, but, but Nick, I don't know if you recall this, but you and I were together. I mean, I was with Brandon, but we were together to see the very first X-Men movie when it came out. I I am not going to confirm or deny that. I will trust you. Yeah, well, and uh, so maybe I'm now I'm terrified that I am remembering something wrong and it was a different movie, but I I feel like I feel like I was there with Brandon and probably Jared cuz he was always there to the three of us and you were with some other friends of yours and maybe your parents drove, but it was that Barry Woods AMC um yeah. The yeah. one with like the, the outer space theme that I went back in that theater like a year ago and I was like, wow, this this was way cooler when I was twelve. Um <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But uh so so this is really this episode is about twenty years in the making, give or take. And yeah. uh we're coming full circle here today, unless I'm remembering wrong. And no, I, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember being there with some other friends, but I could, I, I mean, I don't doubt it that you and my brother Brandon were there too. That's, that's, <laughs> we're going to run with that. It's, it's, let's been, do it. It happened. Yes. It happened. And Warner brothers wanted to remove the trench scene. It's all real. It's um, all real. 
And so with Nick here tonight, Nick is going to be, um, and I really kind of want to give you the floor and work from your rankings, but Nick's going to be ranking his top five. It, did we, did we land on five or are we going to go ish since we don't yeah, have we, Mitch we, in the house? We can go ish, you know, okay. five ish. Originally we were going to keep it in the production meeting. We agreed to keep to a real tight five with three of us on the show. But you know, now that there's just two, we might flex that a little bit. Um, but we're going to let Nick rank the X-Men films for us. So Nick, we're agreed that we are including Deadpool and Wolverine solo films in this list. Correct. Sure. All right. Well then without further ado, do you want to go five to one? Yeah. I mean, all right. That, that, that's how a countdown should go, right? Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole new world. Mitch is gone. I'm playing with things. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I will. Look how numbers work. <laughs> yeah. So how, how you are with Spider-Man when it comes to Marvel comics, that's how I am with X-Men. Now I didn't, you know, grow up reading them like you, I know you have done, but whenever Marvel Unlimited came out a few years ago and I got it like probably in the first six months that it was a thing, I started reading as much X-Men as I could. And so I've been pretty current with X-Men since um, Extinction Agenda, not Extinction Agenda. What is it called? I don't know. The one where Hope Summers was born. Um, oh, um. Oh gosh, Messiah Complex. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I've been, I've been, t- and then you know I've gone back and I've you know read some of the old classics and you know that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I, I'm pretty, pretty up on X Men, and I've at least read a bunch of it. And um, one thing I w- I do want to point out is for those of you that don't read comic books and you look at the X Men movies and you're like, man, this is a convoluted mess. Like, how is <laughs> How is um, how is Professor Xavier this age in um, Days of Future Past, but only like ten years later he's supposed to be like this really old dude? And um, where did he he came back? How did he come back? And you know why is Bolivar Trask a black guy in the originals, but in Days of Future Past he's a midget? Can I say that? <laughs> you know, um, well, welcome to the world of X Men because everything is convoluted. Um, continuity kind of gets thrown out the window, and nothing makes sense. Like, you, if you think the movies are crazy, the comics are by far the worst mess of story that are awesome in all of comics, really. Well, because you've got for everything that happens, there's at least as a bare minimum two alternate timelines where it happened differently that have now bled into and affected the main story. Oh yeah. Yeah. You've got multiple versions of the same person running around old and young, good and evil, alternate and normal. And, and there's so much, Oh gosh. And it's like, this is how it was 10 years ago before it got even weirder. So yeah, that's a good call. The movie's, yeah, the movies. I hear all those complaints, and I and I do always just kind of chuckle, like, "Good Lord, yeah, yeah." Best of luck with the comics. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, I guess I'll just jump into it if if you're ready for me to yeah do it, do man. that. Okay. Um, since we we had five, we were gonna do five, and then when Jake and I were talking right before we hit record, I totally forgot Logan existed and (laughs) not in a, not in a bad way. Like I think it's a fantastic movie, which you'll probably hear about in a little bit. So I'm having to do some shuffling. And so I'm going to go, you know, five B 
and and put and I'm going to put the original X Men movie just to start it off. Um, this one, while yes, I know is campy and has some ridiculous moments, specifically with Storm and Toad, <laughs> and Lightning, but if if we're going to take a, a a greater look at all of comic dumb movies, X Men is the zenith of that. Is that the right word? The beginning of that. You know, like we have all these Marvel or these modern comic book movies and X-Men is really what started it all. X-Men came out before um, first, the first Raimi Spider-Man and it's probably what propelled, you know, him to make that movie and then now we have all this stuff. So I, I view X-Men as like the modern grandfather of all of comic book movies. Well, and if you want to take an even bigger, I'm going to go historian on this one. And if you want to take an even bigger, broader look at the whole state of this comics culture, this film saved Marvel Comics because selling those film rights to this and Spider-Man and uh, the Fantastic Four and a couple other things, selling all those film rights in the 90s saved the company from bankruptcy and – from a series of really poor decisions by different owners of the company before it eventually landed with, with Disney down the road, uh, Marvel doesn't make it to that Disney purchase that has brought it where it is today. If they don't sell the rights to Fox for this film. Okay. And so this movie not only begins the trajectory we're on, it preserves Marvel for modern day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, they were like, seriously considering like selling off specific characters to other comic companies. Mm -hmm. Like they were, they were considering, you know, selling Spider-Man to DC or something like that. Yeah, no, I've read that really bad. Oh, tidbit. I saw this, um, on Twitter, you know, I follow a bunch of Royals stuff cause you know, we're Royals fans. Yeah. Someone tweeted out that as a part of the sale of Fox to Disney, the Fox regional sports networks, okay, have to be picked up by somebody. If they are not picked up, then the deal doesn't go through. So regional sports might be the reason that Disney does not acquire Fox. This week. This week. It feels like there's a new crisis with that deal. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so X-Men number one, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's very consequential um, yeah. in, in our movie movie scale, scope today. So that was since my five, you know, B, um, then I, I'll, I'll go to my number five and I'm going to put it number five days of future past, which okay. might be a little surprising. I went gut on these, man. I just, I just kind of, the only way to go. List. Right, right. Would gut. And while I loved this movie when I walked out of it, um, I'm I like a lot of people have gotten very Wolverine tired and (laughs) I really I mean it it, I don't know like I understand why they did it like they're trying to bring the universe back together and trying to make these movies that people will come to and watch and all of that stuff so that's why you put Hugh Jackman who is Wolverine who is you know fantastic in that role even though he's about two feet too tall um (laughs) you know to play him you know I, I I think it was good, but um, I, I don't know. Me being the more of a comic snob, I wish that they would have actually kind of followed and had Kitty Pride be the one go back in time. But you know, here and there, whatever. But anyway, solid movie. I really enjoyed it. When I walked out of it, I was like, "This is the best X Men movie that we've ever had." Obviously, my my point has changed, but um, 
anyway, I, I, I love it. So that's, that, that'll be my number five. I, I actually, I, th- this is really interesting because I'm a big, big fan of that movie, but I'm also with you in that. I don't know that it aged. I mean, aged, it's only been what, four years, almost five. I, I don't know that it's aged as well as I'd expected it to. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the Logan, um, the fatigue mm-hmm. where I, I, and not, it's a hard thing to say because I'm, I, I, I just agree with everything you said, but it's also, it's like Ellen page. It's not like she's nobody and it's right. not like right. she's some slouch that couldn't have carried the film. Um, and, and it would have been in a lot of ways, maybe a refreshing new take on the franchise to put someone else in the driver's seat there. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting cause I really did love that movie when I saw it. Uh, I'm right there with you. Something about it in the last four years. It's not that I don't like it anymore, but I am a little more, let's say measured in my praise of it and a little bit more, oh, it's, it's good, but right. And then the whole thing that they've, they've done with mystique. Um, that's, that's another problem in my book, just, well, I mean, you have Jennifer Lawrence locked up and she's a Oscar winning, you know, amazing actress. So of course we're going to make her a prime, you know, member of all of this, but that's more apocalypse's deal. And I'm not even going to talk about that one. So. Yeah, let's not. So what's your number five? Oh, gee. Um, I, I would probably for my number five. Boy, do I think there are four? Yeah, I'd probably go with Days of Future Past. Okay. Um, uh, overall, I, I I echo everything you said. Um, I I think that it's got. It was fun to see the Sentinels. Um, it was fun to see Bolivar Trask. There were a lot of great little things in there, and also as a fan of all the crazy convoluted stuff in the comics it was nice to see them bring in time travel and different timelines and all that stuff. And it also really helped. It gave us that excuse to say, screw it when it comes to continuity in these films. Mm -hmm. And because there's that part of me that even though I don't want to be the idiot toxic fan, like we discussed about a month ago on the show, um, even though I don't want to be that guy that freaks out about this, isn't the way I remember it. At the same time, there will always be a part of me that when things are changed too much or they don't make sense, uh, when it doesn't add up, I twitch just a little bit internally over the continuity nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and this gave me that excuse to be like, screw it, who cares? So, But yeah, I'll, I'll put Days of Future Past at five, but I'll reserve the right to swap it up to four later. <laughs> hey, it's your show. You can do that. Dang right. <laughs> Okay, so am I? Are we just going to take turns, me, you, me, you, or yeah? I think that's the best way to do it. (laughs) No, I think we just alternate. I think that's what's best, and I really want to give you more time because you're you're the special guest, right? I'm so special. Um, So at okay, so at number four, and and I'm going to preface this by saying I I am a huge Deadpool fan. I am a huge Deadpool comic fan. And um, I have read every main Deadpool issue that has come out. So I am, I'm totally up on all things Deadpool. 
and I really enjoy him as a character. Um, yes, he is funny, but he's, he's much deeper than that. Um, however, I always have viewed him as X adjacent, not a part of the X men. Um, he has always kind of existed in their universe, but he's never really been a part of the, the only team X team that he was on was in uncanny X force. I was going to, yeah, actually, um, and then I guess he did run the Uncanny Avengers um, for a little while, but whatever. So he, he's, he's more adjacent. But what Fox did with Deadpool and throwing him into the universe and being brilliant by it. I'm going to put the Deadpool, the first Deadpool movie at my number four pick. Um, it's, it, it was comic gold when it came out. Um, you know, the, that opening sequence, whenever him and what's her name are just having sex, but that's kind of how <laughs> they do calendar, you know, through the year, like, gosh, that was so funny. And like the whole movie was just pure gold. Now it is my belief as a Deadpool reader that the Deadpool that we got in the movie is not the Deadpool from the comics. Um, it's that the movie version to me is a real pop culture version of him um, pulled with some comics. Uh, so that's, that's my thought though. I will say that we got a pretty good Colossus um, out of that. I, I thought that what they did with him was hysterical and fantastic. So um, anyway, so that'll be my number four is the Deadpool movie. That's um, I love that you referenced Colossus there because yeah, that um, that era of X-Men you know, comics wise, that crew with Colossus, Storm, Nightcrawler, all those guys is for me always going to be kind of the the ultimate group of X-Men to me. So I love when they get one of those characters right like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this because I can't remember if you said it last time you're on the show or if it's just in conversations we've had online or whatever that I've heard you say this about Deadpool, but what elements, because I can think of a few, but I want to hear from you, what elements of the character do you feel are missing from this more pop culture incarnation in the movies? I, okay. I really think that where they got the character really correct and really right is just this um, tormented guy that just is trying to live life and he's trying to kill himself. He's trying to die. You know, this very tormented. The biggest problem that I have with the movies is that he is a character that is wanted. Deadpool, Wade Wilson is not a character that is wanted. He is one that always wants to get in, but people don't let him in. Or when they do, he totally screws it up and he totally messes it up. Like he brings all this crap on himself. And so that was a thing that really frustrated me because that just it adds so much and it makes him so deep is whenever you have this character that really, really wants to be accepted and be loved and be cared for, but no one loves him and no one cares for them. And then whenever someone finally does love him and care for him, then he does something to totally screw it up, which gets him on the outside again. That I think is a key element to this character that they really, really missed. Like the X-Men don't want him as a part of their team. Like they never have wanted him. So for, for basically the first movie when, you know, Colossus is like, Hey, come join our team, you know, whatever. Um, then that's, 
to me, that's a, that's a big thing that has been missed. He doesn't get the girl. Um, he doesn't get to be <laughs> though. The costume that he wore, you know, that, that shirt in the second X-Men movie, that's actually the suit that he, he made himself to wear in the comics whenever he proclaimed him to be a part of the X-Men whenever they needed him for this one specific adventure. So anyway, that's, that's my major issue with the movies from the comics. That's, that's actually, that's pretty close to what I anticipated you were going to say. I just wanted to make sure I gave you the chance to say it. There, there is definitely a, I'll say a melancholy to the character, even at his funniest in the comics. Um, and the sort of self-destructive nature that you're talking about um, really is where the character gets his depth. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that like, I'm not the only person who sees that. I don't think it really bugs me in the movies that that's not there. But I, I do think that in the comics, when Deadpool's at his best, yeah, there's this element of this element of self-loathing and self-sabotage to the character that uh, paired with that desire to be loved, but that inability to do it that, yeah, that's really good stuff. And um, Deadpool. And for me also, he is always the best whenever he's not the main character. Like, yes. Well, that uncanny X-Force run that you mentioned by Rick Remender is the best thing, best comic thing I've ever read. Superhero it's comic it's thing I've ever read. so good. It's so good. And Deadpool's, I remember for me, like the ultimate Deadpool moment is him at the very end of that kind of coming in to talk to Evan, who is the uh, <laughs> buckle in. If you don't read comics, Evan is the young teenage clone of apocalypse who was raised in a simulation for the first part of his life. That's now trying to be an X-Man and prove that he doesn't have to grow up to be apocalypse. And, Deadpool's last scene there where he sneaks in to like through his window to kind of talk with Evan before they take off and go their separate ways as a team is to me this really poignant moment that it shows how irreverent the character is but also how I don't you just get to see all the best sides of him in one little stretch of dialogue there. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then in the um Cable and Deadpool whenever it's cables, you know, the straight guy and Deadpool's the funny guy. Like it just, it just works so well when yeah. you know, someone to play off of rather than just, you know, him himself. So anyway, I, I feel like we talked a lot about this, this movie and this guy. So I'll let you talk for a minute. Number four for me is Logan. And that might be my most controversial one on here, I think, but I've gone into before my issues with Logan. And, and for me, it has to be on the list because I think it's such a good movie and it's so well made. But I also think that there are enough issues that I have thematically with it where, you know, like I've said on here before, I, I do think that the whole theme to the movie about him trying to teach this girl that she doesn't have to be a killer is sort of undercut by the fact that the movie so happily embraces its R rating and like Logan's newfound, you know, there's a meta criticism to it um, mm-hmm. that I think it criticizes itself and not in a positive way. I don't think that that completely destroys the movie or breaks it down or makes it not a good movie. I do think that that makes it impossible for me to put it at the top of my list. Like I think a lot of people would like to, but I do think it's among the best X-Men related things. So yeah. Logan is my four. 
And on, on that, I'm going to put, because I remembered it, I'm going to put Logan at my number three. Um, and I, it really bugs me whenever people make an R rated movie just because they can, you know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, um, HBO in their, in their shows. Like we're going to show boobs just because we can, like it's not <laughs> this show's so grown up. There's a penis. <laughs> right. And so with, with Logan, like, yeah, my problem with it, I mean, <clears throat> he is by far the most violent character well, I think the Punisher is actually a little bit more violent in the comics, but I mean, he is one of the top three most violent characters in all of Marvel comics. So the violence is there, but you know, it, to me, it just says that they wanted to say the F word just because they could, and, <laughs> you, you know, that kind of stuff. But the thing that got me is, um, who directed it? Was it, uh, James Mangold, James Mangold. Okay. So in the Wolverine, you know, whenever he's in, um, Japan, there's a scene where, um, who is it? Yuri Yuki. I can't remember. You know, yes. the, the girl, <laughs> yes. The girl that he's <laughs> with, she says that she sees the future and she sees Logan there bleeding with his heart in his hand. And someone commented on Twitter and tweeted it out that one of the very last scenes of him is Logan dying on that branch and he is holding Laura's hand. And someone tweeted that out and Mangold said, you got it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a nice throwback. So, so so anyways, that, that was one thing for me. I was like, wow, this movie's great. And this guy just made it even more incredible by something <laughs> that you thought he was talking about, you know, in, in the Wolverine movie when it actually was referring to this, or maybe he retconned it and made it be that way. Who knows? But, um, <laughs> He's like, Oh, that's a good idea. Pretend I thought of it. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I, I, I put Logan in number three. I enjoyed it. The one time that I watched it, um, I thought it was uh, a good take on the character, the old main character. And, um, Anyway, it's a phenomenal movie. Yes, it does have a few flaws, but uh, really, really solid overall. So then for me, number three is, and this is where I'm going to kind of backtrack a little, is actually the original X-Men movie for all of the reasons you stated. Um, but it was it was the first time. I, I just don't think you can get around how important it is that for the first time ever, we got to see these really outlandish characters. It wasn't a one-to-one, but that you got to see the comics brought to the screen without it being ashamed of what it was. And Superman did that. Batman did that. But then forever and ever, you just kept getting these, like if anything was going to be related to a superhero property or anything like that, they had to come up with a million and one excuses to make it work this way and make it that. And it's got to be, well, the audience will never accept this. And to see Magneto and Xavier and Wolverine and Sabretooth and all of these characters up on screen and treated like that was not something that we had to dance around and pretend it wasn't what it was, was amazing. And I, and I think you're exactly right that we get everything we've gotten over the last 20 years because of this film and because it was unafraid to move in that direction. And now, you know, you look back, you look back at it and you see that in a lot of ways it did, you know, they didn't go all in on the costumes and um, there were certain elements that they kind of downplayed and others that they played up. Uh, And you see how it's kind of become dated in a sense, but it still is to look at 
what came before and then what came after. It's it's a watershed moment. It can't be beaten. I love it so much. It's it's always going to have a special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah. And and I totally agree with you. And I think also too that uh was it is it James Masterson that played Cyclops? Um Marsden. Marsden. James Marsden. James, there you go. There you go. I I think that he is underappreciated as Cyclops. Like when I will I, when agree I with that, that just because I freaking hate Cyclops so much. <laughs> I hate Cyclops so much, and I hated him in the movie, so therefore he was perfect. I, I think that you can only polish a turd so much, <laughs> and I think James Marsden did a lovely job of polishing that turd okay. um, and is to be commended for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I, I don't know. I. I think Cyclops is cool. I think he's okay. So they just uh, brought him back. I'm so annoyed. Like we don't need him back in the comics. He, the closest he ever came to interesting is when they almost went all in on him as a villain. And then I got excited about him. Man, that was, that was so interesting. Whenever in the comics for a while, you know, before Avengers versus X-Men, whenever Wolverine was basically the Xavier and Cyclops was basically the Magneto. Like it was so compelling and so interesting. And, and it's like they, the, there were a few times where they went like 80%, 85% in on the concept. And I kept saying like, make Cyclops do something horrific Make him do some, but but keep it relatable. You know, do the Magneto thing where you understand he's trying to defend his people, but make Cyclops go do something so unforgivable that he can't be rightly considered a hero anymore. Really push this thing and embrace that. Man, it would have been so good. I loved I mean, the concept. I mean, they, I guess they they kind of did that whenever he killed Xavier. Who is yeah, there. but with the Phoenix Force and right. Avengers so, versus so X Men, and and then and then you can almost say that you know, oh, that was kind of a cop out because the Phoenix was the one that did it, not Scott or you know, yeah. Whatever. But um, but yeah, Cyclops is back, Wolverine is back, Jean Grey is back, so everything that was yeah right, yeah, and then they'll all die again in the next nine months, and we'll you know one day we become grass and the antelope eat us. And and Marvel will reboot everything yet again. <laughs> yep. So, um, okay. My what's number, number two? two. My number two. I have X Men Two X United. Yeah. At number two, um, I don't know. This one, like most sequels, seem to really like find its stride, and um, it really it really clicked. It fit in well. Um, I, I don't know. Like what, what, what can you really say about it? I mean, it's, it's loosely based on one of the greatest X-Men stories ever written. God loves man kills. Um, I don't know. And then um, again, you have, it's a Wolverine centric story, obviously, because why wouldn't you do that? Um, but I, I don't know. It was just so good. And that one was one that just, I don't know. It stuck with me and it's, I don't know. I'm not being very eloquent because I just like it. <laughs> I'm with you. That's actually my number two as well. (laughs) Um, Because it's that opening. I will never forget the opening sequence with Nightcrawler. Oh, that was so good. Oh, man. And like it just it it took everything that I liked about the first one and it took it up to a whole different level. And yeah, I loved it, man. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. Um, and, and, and I don't know that guy that they got to play Nightcrawler, like 
his face, like he had the perfect face, you know, yes. to be Nightcrawler. I mean, like just everything about that guy. Um, solid choice for an actor. So we, we have good things to say about it. So I'm now I'm curious if our number one pick is the same. Yeah. So what is my it? number one is X-Men three, the last stand. No, I am totally. Uh, I was like, I was like, I, I'm just going to let you run with it, you know, because but tell we're going to probably cut this why. short about. Tell me why. Oh man, so, um, <laughs> I was I was going to let you go for about ten minutes, and then I was oh, like, well, man. that's all the time we have this week, and I was uh, I was going to see if I could BS my way through that, but I could barely, <laughs> you know, get the words out of my mouth before I started laughing. I was like, no way, no way, I can't even. I, I'm going to shut up because it. I promised myself before we started I wouldn't let this turn into a dump on that movie session. The way that the way that I always turn Spider Man into dumping on Spider Man three, so I mean they only they only ruined the greatest X Men story ever. (laughs) Yeah, no, no big deal. Just that, no big deal. So the um, so my number one is First Class. Yes, that's mine. Okay, I, 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 man, I love the new ones. Like, yeah, um, even I know Apocalypse has its has its flaws but i still really enjoy it. i will take i will probably take the new trilogy over the original trilogy um right now uh it, it i i you know i think i watched it a couple months ago and man it still really holds up i love love the xavier magneto dynamic plus you have two phenomenal actors as those guys um this story is really compelling and you know there's that that emotional moment when Magneto is, you know, trying to harness his powers and, you know, trying to move that thing. And Xavier talks to him about the joy in life rather than the pain. And then he does, Oh, it gets me every time. And, um, I, I just love it. That, that to me is, is, is fantastic. I love it. And I hope that maybe with dark Phoenix or Phoenix, whatever they're calling the next one, they can pull some of that magic in, um, for that one. You and I are so in sync on this episode because for me, there's a lot to love about first class. There is the inspired by the original costumes costumes. Mm-hmm. There is um, the inclusion of some fan favorite characters like Banshee. Um, there is the, um, the addition of Kevin Bacon who is beloved by every human except my wife um the world needs more bacon right exactly i know what's not to like about him i don't know but she <laughs> finds it um but at the core of it what takes first class from a good x-men movie to my favorite is that magneto and xavier interplay and so and i've said on here before i think that the franchise needs to find a way to move beyond that relationship because yeah. we've mined it so well but at the same time I understand why that's so hard for them to do because it is so good. Um, And because especially in the way that, especially in the way that those two actors play it um, and to watch two phenomenal actors bring that personal element to this giant, dramatic conflict and to embody these two different things. But, but more than any of it, that moment you're talking about where he's trying to move the thing and, and Xavier is talking about being good and just, you know, goodness in life and all these things. And to see that friendship fall apart on screen 
adds a level of tragedy to it that had never really been explored as well as it could. Um, mm-hmm. X2 kind of started to, and I think those are some of its best moments, but really seeing Xavier and Magneto love one another and enjoy one another and seeing the way that relationship matures Xavier and redeems Magneto and then to watch it crumble is so, man, it broke my heart. Even though I knew it was coming, I and was then, like, Oh yeah. And, and then even, even to go on that, you know, with that, that scene in days of future past, you know, when they're flying in the airplane and, you know, Xavier's like, dude, wh- what did you do? You know, you killed the president, you know, what, what are you doing? And then how Magneto just gets so upset. He's like, where were you, Charles? You know, where were you whenever all of these guys that I, that I fought inside died and, you know, you don't care about your stuff, you know, and, and, and he almost brings that plane down because he's so emotional and so upset um, because of this relationship. Oh, it's all just so good. And that's just it. Magneto is as upset about how it played out as Xavier is. And we never see it from that angle that he feels as betrayed as Xavier, but it gets played that way here where Mag- yeah. And, and I think comic wise, Magneto was one of the first villains that really shifted from straight up, you know, mustache and top hat and cape kind of <laughs> villain to a, gray almost anti-hero guy where you could see like you could actually see his point of view right and you could kind of understand where he was coming from before you know all these characters were like oh i just want to blow up the world because that's what <laughs> i want to do and you know you could actually see his hurt and see his anger and see you know these things and so i i, I love that about these new movies and, and like in in apocalypse you know that first 40 minutes was a beautiful magneto movie and you know just you seeing that with his child getting killed and oh man they're i i really hope that they're able to continue this with with phoenix and i don't know i would be totally okay if we got these same characters in the mcu if that ever happens but probably not well and i yeah for me i think that i think that this series Overall, the X-Men films have struck gold twice when they got first Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, um, you know, who, you know, granted their films did not allow them the same level of depth, but it's there, you know, and, and then later getting James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender and then managing to get all of them in the same film once. I mean, just, Mm, yeah, they've hit, they've struck gold twice now. I think that we better not roll the dice a third time and we need to start thinking about what are we going to do that's going to make this next series different from the originals. Yeah. Okay, can we, to wrap up, can you take us, what do you want to see in the MCU? Assuming that assuming that someone buys all of the regional things and no other deals you know, come up in the way, nothing else goes wrong here, what do you want to see in the MCU when this franchise moves in. I man. Okay. Here, here's the thing. I think a lot of people are going to say, you know, we want Jubilee. We want Gambit. We want, um, you know, like these in some of the more fringe characters, you know, some of the mm-hmm. new, like the, you know, the original new mutants or, um, you know, some, some of these characters, magic, 
um, someone's that have a name, but I think people are going to really, the comic fans are really going to push for those. But I think that we are going to get Cyclops and Wolverine and Storm and uh, Jean Grey and Beast. I, I, I mean, it, those are the ones when people think of the X-Men, that's what they think of. Yeah, those the, the Claremont that, era. Yes, whenever um, the general public think of X-Men, that's who, that's who they think of. And yeah. so I, there's a reason, comic-wise, that Cyclops just got brought back and Wolverine just got brought back and Jean Grey got brought. I mean, there's a reason that these characters that have been dead for a while continue to come back. And that's because they sell and yes, the MCU, I mean, they made pure gold with Guardians of the Galaxy and people are like, what? So, I mean, I know it's possible. So I say all that to say what I would like to see would maybe be like a New Mutants movie or something a little more fringe. Um, yes, we're supposed to be getting a New Mutants movie if that if they ever release that. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so uh, that would be cool. Um, you know, but but then the introduction to them how do we bring them in that's the thing that i'm not sure i think the last time whenever we were on and we talked about the fantastic four um, yeah we, we brought up an idea about maybe them being on earth 616 or earth 1610 or you know something like that um which for those of you who aren't into comics earth 616 is the main universe and 1610 is the ultimate universe where like miles morales is from and some other it's 1610 right i'm pretty sure yeah okay I don't want to drop nerd knowledge and then be wrong. So um, we'll we'll just put an asterisk on it that sure. neither of us. I'll double check while you're talking, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think it'd be cool if we had some like alternate, uh, you know, reality, alternate universe, and then somehow we bring them together. I think that that would be a really interesting take on it. Um, and I don't know, that could be a cool spin for an Avengers movie where we have a Avengers versus X Men. Um, some kind of story there um hopefully put together better than the comic was but you know that <laughs> idea that idea would be really cool um i man i don't i really don't have any like great ideas um the only i mean the the only thing that could make sense you know now we're getting a captain marvel movie you know that's you know set in 1990 whatever um, you know, so it's a little back in the past. I mean, I, I guess it could be possible for them to do something with a time gym, you know, if we get that and then, unless it's destroyed in end game, um, you know, and then have them planted in the sixties. And then, so they were always existed, you know, they just did, you know, people didn't know it. Like, I, I'm just thinking how, how do we get them into the universe where it makes sense? And I'm not sure that I can think of a way right now that isn't super complicated that, um, can be shared easily though we did have six peter pike six peter parkers in uh into the spider verse and i followed that really really well and that's a really <laughs> complex idea so it can be done i don't think i gave you a good answer at all no but there isn't a good answer and that's that's the i mean we did a whole episode on this and we kind of came down to the same spot like this is a this is a puzzle that's a little bit above our pay grade and we had some ideas and i i pitched some stuff but you know one thing that um, I think Mitch briefly mentioned this on our episode about it, but it hadn't really occurred to me at the time. But now I've really been thinking about it. How do you make mutant hate a believable thing in a universe that has been watching aliens and superheroes fly around for at least 10 years plus? 
like how, how do you make the public's reaction to mutants that's so integral to this story a believable feasible thing and i think that's one of the big challenges is what will happen how are they going to make that a component that people buy into you know i wonder i i just thought of this almost do a civil war um thing where you know you had the guy that in the comic that started that off, you know, he just explodes and he explodes. I mean, you, you, I think you almost have to have to have some like worldwide colossal catastrophic event. I mean, maybe, maybe the Phoenix is comes to earth and then all these people get their mutant powers and the Phoenix just causes all of this destruction. And so now everyone hates mutants because they relate them so closely to the Phoenix or, you know, something, something like that. Um, but I don't know. I like that idea of bringing the Phoenix in. Yeah, there's, there's so, you know, I think that for me, I do rest assured that they are, it's in good hands. And hopefully, uh, you know, Marvel can solve the Rubik's Cube that is how to integrate the X-Men into the MCU. Also, uh, I put our research people on it. And yes, yes, Earth 1610 is the ultimate Marvel universe. Looky there, I do know something. Oh, you know a lot of things. Nick, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you, you for are, having me on. You are my favorite substitute Mitch, and that uh that keeps going, man. That's that's high praise. That is high praise. Or it's I'm the one talking to you praise. It could be. It absolutely could be. Um well, you know, we <laughs> There's a lot of different ways that that could go. Ultimately, here we are together. I forgot what I was going to say. So thank you so much for listening tonight or this morning, whatever time it is. We want to thank, as always, the Geek Dad Network. Uh, Geek Dad is an amazing home to us. They are better to us than we deserve. And uh, it's it's a great website. You need to check it out. There's a lot of stuff there. Not only do they put us out into the sphere for more people to get in touch with. They have a lot of great content there. Um, if you haven't already, please rate and review us. Uh, you know, that's going to help get those algorithms working so that more people can share in what we do here and more people can get to know Nick and get to know the actual Mitch, Mitch. And uh, we just, those are good things that we think everybody needs to be a part of. So as always, we thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye. See ya. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.